Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Women Tech Charge. My name is Amri Imafidon and I'm your host. Today I'm super excited because I'm joined by the coolest professor, Professor Maya Panjik, who is Professor of Effective and Behavioural Computing at Imperial College London, but she's also the research head at the Samsung AI Lab in Cambridge. We can take, in fact, image of whomever, we can record the audio we want, and make this person, a video of this person from this photo, speak whatever audio we recorded on spot. What matters is your uh, trust in yourself. Sure, you will get no once, you will get no three times. Usually, at the end, you come to a place where they say yes to this idea. And I think it's really important, this pursuit of, of, of your not dreams, it's more like your true ideas in which you believe. Thank you very much for joining me, joining us, being on the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) So you are a professor in all the coolest things that we have at the moment. When we talk about tech trends, we have AI, we have deep fakes. There's lots and lots of things that are part of your remit. But you're also with Samsung doing this as well, which is a rather large consumer brand. Um, Before we go into what you do now, I want to roll back the clock a little bit only a couple of years, (laughs) how does one end up being a professor of computing at Imperial College? What was your journey to being this this top academic? So I'm born in Belgrade in Serbia. All my family was always studying. So going to the university was a regular thing. Okay. I started actually studying maths. I was very good in maths. I started studying maths back in Belgrade, but then we had uh, quite a problem in the country. Mm-hmm. The country was in the war. At that time, my sister left for the Netherlands and I went to live with my sister. 
when I came to Netherlands, uh, they said to me that I cannot resume the studies just like that, that I have to start from scratch again. And which year were you in? I was actually in the fourth year of my studies. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So they said, like, I have to retake everything. And um, so, but that actually was very interesting because that was also the 92 mm-hmm. uh, and they said first I have to learn the language and by the time I learned the language it was 93 oh, in 1993 the internet came out Okay. and that was for me really an important point in my life because I realized that in fact we could all be connected through that something called internet right and that computers are actually enabling this. So it was like completely logical, in my opinion, step <laughs> to, instead of going to pure math, start studying computing. Right. So I did uh, the studies at the Delft University of Technology. I did my bachelor's, I think, in two years. And then I did my master's in another year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they asked me whether I want to stay for, for my PhD. And I said... Sure. I mean, it's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, also the topic was very interesting because uh, I was asked actually to do face analysis. Uh, And this was in which year was this? this, Now we're talking about 1997. Wow, okay. So so in principle, it was a very interesting uh, idea for me and we started working on on automatic face analysis and this was in the netherlands in, in the netherlands, in the netherlands. so okay. we were actually at that time in 1997 there was only uh one group um, in University of California in San Diego, mm-hmm. led by Teres Seinovsky and uh, Marnie Bartlett at that time was um, his student and she was doing exactly the same automatic face analysis. Awesome. Two women either side exactly. of the, there we go. And then we realized in 98, actually, that there is yet another group, okay. which is the group of Takeo Kanade and Jeffrey Cohn at Carnegie Mellon University, mm-hmm do the same. Mm -hmm. So there were three groups in the whole world, actually, that did these crazy things, which is automatic facial expression analysis, rather than just automatic face analysis where you recognize people. Yeah. And so that's how it started. I stayed as an academic at the Delft University of Technology for another five years. And at that time, we were thinking as a family to move away. So we came to UK and I came to Imperial College. So I applied just like everybody else mm-hmm. applies. At that time, I think it was 121 applicants who okay. applied. And they again said, you know, I was like associate professor at Delft. But when I came, they said, no, 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 no. You will start on the lowest level, assistant professor. (laughs) (laughs) And the dean at that time, actually, he was, he he became dean later on, but he was the head of department, of computing department. He was saying, look, don't worry, because, you know, if you're doing well, the progression here is fast. And he really was was true to his words. He was true to his words. It's fantastic to hear your story, but it's not one that's that's typical specifically for, let's say, women and underrepresented groups. And it's something we come up against quite a lot is that, you know, you do have this kind of falling away of women. As we go up higher in the academic ranks, you have fewer and fewer women that stay in the discipline and stay within the field. So what is it that, I mean, other than, than 
good promotion? <laughs> what is it that has kept you within academia? And what are the kind of frustrations that you've, that you've had beyond, you know, being told to start again twice? Everybody copes with certain things. Not everything is accepted. Mm. Not everything is easy. Mm. I mean, all of this. I think really what matters is your uh, trust in yourself. And I think I learned that uh, when I was young, you know. Sure, people have different opinions. But if you believe truly in, in something that you have as an idea... Mm. Sure, you will get no once, you will get no three times, but you know, at the end you will find, you can also from all of these no's, you can learn what people don't didn't like, mm. what are the things you could work on more, what are the I ideas or risks that you have to address. And once you have all of this, usually at the end you come to a place where they say yes to this idea. And mm -hmm. I think it's really important, this pursuit of, of, of your not dreams, it's more like your true ideas in which you believe. For me, it was like, for example, the whole idea of recognition of uh, emotions and mental states from signals such as video signal of somebody's face or audio signals of somebody's voice. Mm. It was pretty far-fetched, you know. I mean, how much we really know about psychology. If we are so good in psychology, why everybody has a problem, you know, to communicate yeah. with each other, you know. <laughs> so the, the, the whole issue is that you have to believe that this is possible. And I really think it's possible. And I think this technology can... Uh, actually allow me to see things that I, as a human, with my human capacity of the eye and the ear, cannot see. Mm. So this is really fantastic. And if you if you think of a technology as an enabler, this is something that can make this idea true. And then there is this whole cohort of, of applications where you can use these kind of things. Exactly. So that is what you have ended up doing as the professor, as part of your remit, as part of your work as well at, at Samsung. There's lots of technology within this facial expression uh, recognition, as we can call it, that you've been doing since the, since the 90s, that you've been able to then extend out to lots of different uses. So can you explain to us uh, maybe some of the kind of core technologies in the work that you're doing before we talk about the uses for them? So the uh, you have, say, life and research before 2016. Mm -hmm. And you have the life and research after 2016. <laughs> um, why? Because around 2016, that's actually pretty late, but say, around 2016, deep learning became really, really popular. Right. And the name of the game changed completely. Mm -hmm. Before that, we were using many various techniques uh, for computer vision and for machine learning. So how this whole thing works is you have a, a video signal. You have to analyze this video signal. So what is a video signal? A set of pixels, right, per image. And then you have a number of images per, per minute, per right, yep. per second, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So what you need to uh, to do is... You analyze these pixels to find first the face. Once you find the face, you then can analyze the features in that one picture, like, mm -hmm. for example, uh, the edges uh, or, you know, where is, uh, the, say, dark, where is light uh, part of And we of call the, this feature maps, right? These, are, for example, yeah, yeah. feature maps, mm -hmm. you can call them 
in principle, there are a set of features that you need to extract from each image. Yeah. But then what you have to see is to track the changes in those features because the changes in those features will actually tell you something about this expression. Yeah. And then how you do that, everything what you have about these features, you put in a certain machine learning technique and that can be statistical machine learning like support vector machines, right? This is old fashioned. Or it can be something like neural network, right? This is also old fashioned, but currently we call it deep learning and that's new fashion. Rebrand. Exactly. (laughs) So in principle, what you want to get out of this machine learning is the interpretation of these facial expressions. So for example, if I smile, the changes in the pixels around my mouth and my eyes will be such that they actually indicate this is the smile. So I will learn from many examples that this is how a smile looks like, right? Okay. So that's that's how the technology approximately works. Mm-hmm. And currently we are using, I actually don't like to say that, but we are using mostly deep learning for everything. And the reason is that um, the performance is uh, really incredibly better than other machine learning techniques. Uh, Previously, we couldn't do that because the processing power was not there. Yes, I was going to say. But now that's actually the memory, the capacity of the memory, the the processing power, everything is now much better. So you can actually run these large networks Mm. in real time. Mm. Previously, we couldn't do that. And you can get uh, uh, results which are in factors better than the results from standard machine learning. However, a big problem with the deep learning is the deep learning um, is not uh, uh, fully explainable. So things which are happening within this black box called deep network uh, are not uh, are very difficult to prove theoretically. So, so this is one of the problems that uh, that we face with the deep learning, and and, and that's because uh, a lot of these kind of feature maps and the the things that we're tracking in between, we don't necessarily know how that's been processed or what the relationships are that we, have been done because it's so many calculations. We do not even that were know done as part of that, right? We don't even know which features are taken. Okay. So it starts from that, because mm. currently I actually input into the deep network the whole region of the image which contains the face. Yeah. And which features are taken from that, I have the no clue. The algorithm completely clue. chooses, right. Right? Okay. So sure, we can, you know, you can visualize certain things. We know that actually uh, there are certain kind of edges and curves that are that are taken into account by convolutional neural networks. But in principle, you know, which exactly in what, what is the trigger to take something as a good feature or not? This is something that, in fact, everything happens uh, by itself. And we also do not know whether the features that are that are that you train the network on a set of images will be really applicable to another set of images. When we look at image recognition gone wrong, this is where we see kind of the example where you see kind of uh, people of color as, as gorillas, or yes. you kind of don't spot. That this is because a, you know, we didn't yeah. these are the so-called biases mm. because you didn't have in your training set enough of examples. Mm such examples that would actually tell these are also features that you have to take into account. Mm. You have to be very careful about the data that you use Mm. and you have to to clean this data very well 
so that there is no bias or to add the data that there is no bias. And once you have that, so you, you have unbiased data, which is like almost impossible, but mm. okay, if you have that, <laughs> mm. then in principle, what you learn will be correct. Time for a break. Send me a message using the hashtag, hashtag women take charge, and please subscribe and rate wherever you listen these podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's some amazing use cases that you're working on. Um, Should we start with the autistic children? Example. So um, one of the problems that that we have with uh, with autistic little ones is that they uh, miss something which we call gestalt. Gestalt is the ability of the brain to uh, see objects as a whole. So when they look into our face, they don't see the face as a whole. They see the eyebrows, they see the eyes, they see the mouth, and all these things parts mm-hmm. are moving in all possible directions mm-hmm. and, and mm. this is very confusing for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what is the reaction of the little ones they don't look at our faces what is the consequence of that they don't learn when do we laugh what is the laughter right. a, a reaction to okay. what is the frown reaction to as another consequence, they do not know how to express when they are happy, when they are upset, when they are sad about something. Because okay. right? normally that's a cue that they'd have taken from learning from others. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. So what we what we also know about autistic little ones is that they love technical things. They love robots. Okay. Because <laughs> they understand robots, they're predictable, mm-hmm. and they are set of very clearly logically combined parts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So. We thought, okay, let's try to teach the little ones what are the typical expressions one should show when. But we do that with a robot. Right. And why we thought that this would work very well, because when you you have a human teacher, human teachers, they're very good. I mean, with with teachers who teach uh, autistic children, they are exceptionally good. They know what they do. Mm -hmm. But still, we are only humans. So when we say, you know, and 
you know, when I'm happy, I smile. What people do is emphasis. They raise the eyebrows, they open the eyes. Which is so not a natural smile. Exactly. Yeah. So you're giving them the wrong data. So it, Exactly. <laughs> so the whole point is that the little ones still get confused because that's not a full smile. Yeah. And with the robot, you can program. It's always a smile, mm. right? And nothing else. Mm. So this is what we were, what the whole idea was have a camera on the robot that would observe the child. Uh, if the child, uh, you have a therapist next to the robot and the child, the, ch- the, the therapist says, okay, uh, when you are happy, how you would, uh, what would be your reaction or what would be your facial expression? And then the, chi- the child makes a facial expression. The robot would recognize this and say, okay, that means that that's what right. I would do as well. Yeah. But if the <laughs> child shows something which is, not expected, the robot said, hmm, let me show you how I will show, for right. example. Okay. You yeah. know. So this is this is the kind of, of loop, interactive loop, in which the little ones uh, really get excited about it and we believe uh, can learn much better about these expressions. So there's a lot of kind of good uses. Deep fakes, of course, is, an, is another kind of element of, of your work, part of your remit. You know, we've seen the Obama videos, the Obama deepfake videos that circulated as kind of examples. We're entering an era in which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything at any point in time, even if they would never say those things. How about this? Simply, President Trump is a total and complete What are the good uses? What's, how, what problems do deepfakes solve? So what, uh, what we were originally interested in mm-hmm. is the lack of data. When you work with deep learning, one of the issues that you need to address is having a lot of data to train your networks on. Mm. When you now work with expressions and emotions, you simply don't have this data mm-hmm. because there is no such data. And it is very expensive to, to, to come up with, with this data because you have to label this data in terms of those emotions. And to do that, you have to have human observers who will right. watch all different data and annotate that. Okay. And we were thinking, okay, we are, you know, a group that works on, on AI. We know quite a lot about generative, uh, generative adversarial networks. Generative and adversarial networks are fantastic for generation of new data. Why don't we try to generate new data, given that we know how we can learn how the expressions look like? So we just have to generate new data that would look like the data that we have, for which we do have annotation. So that's how the whole story started. Oh, my goodness. And we, we came pretty far. Things that we, we currently can do is, are really impressive. We, we can take, in fact, image of whomever. We can record the audio we want and make this person, a video of this person from this photo, speak whatever audio we recorded on spot. And what is that good for? Our idea of building more data for training of our programs for for emotional speech. This is very important for us because, you know, uh, speech as such is understood by Alexa, by, by Google speech, by all these speech engines. As long as you do not have any emotional outbursts. The moment the speech becomes uh, emotional, the recognition rate falls down for 30 or plus percent. So you have to speak to Siri with no emotion. Absolutely. God, that's really, that's really. And also if you are older and you speak to Siri, Siri will not understand you. 
And the reason is that the speech rate at which you speak is not a prototypical speech rate that actually middle-aged people My use. Goodness. So the, so it is really interesting. And for that, we wanted, this is why we wanted so badly actually to, to, to generate, to generate exactly, and hence build actually the, the engines that would work better, you know, on emotional speech, on accents, on older speech, and so on. But we needed a tool to do this, and right? We've created Frankenstein in order to but, do that. But of course, there is a lot of bad use. Yeah. Uh, another consequence of that is that we actually saw a lot of things how you can recognize that the video is fake. Yeah. So, and this is currently our main focus okay. to actually. Uh, help. There is a there is a large initiative by a number of companies and a number of uh, universities. At this point, are mm-hmm. mostly universities at United States, mm-hmm. and I think this is Facebook is also in. Um, uh, the, the reason is that they are preparing actually for elections, and that they are very much afraid that, that these kind of videos could actually tweak the yeah. right. Co- it will happen and it's coming. Yeah. So yeah. and they started this initiative of actually fake videos detection and we will try to help because we currently have this really good mechanism of generating Generating. the the videos. We learned on the way quite a lot of how you can recognize fake videos. So you are a pioneering lady, which is why I was was excited to have you here. You were working on this facial expression recognition in in the 90s when, you know, before this 2016 big bang, right, of of the rebrand of deep learning. Um, What do you think is coming next? I've got a quote here um, from you that says that you believe speech might be rendered unnecessary if brainwave to brainwave transmission aided by AI becomes reality. Yes. Um, what is coming next? Well, what uh, what I look, well, I think that um, our thoughts are much uh, richer, and our uh, brain signals are much richer uh, than the the dictionary that we have to express those okay. thoughts and ideas. Right. We can actually catch these thoughts and ideas and waves with EEGs. And EEG stands for? For elect- electrical and electromagnetic <laughs> or something, uh, <laughs> graphs, right? Yeah. So what it is... Which uh, is the brain waves, Which yeah. is, which we, you have actually kind of electrodes uh, which are put... Uh, atop of your hair. Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of a cap that mm-hmm, you put. Mm-hmm. And then these electrodes are all over your 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 head and um, they can catch uh, the brain waves. We had this at a hack once, someone controlling a quadrocopter with their EC- EEGs. Yes. Yes, the brain waves. Yes. So very positive uses are actually using the brain waves, for example, for prosthetics. So mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. have a robotic arm or a robotic leg that you, control with your that you can control with your brain. This yeah. is like straightforward thing. Yeah. However, exactly this gives me gives me an idea that in principle if you can catch these kind of signals you can probably catch much more of course we are just at the beginning of this mm-hmm. there is a lot of noise with which we can have uh, to deal and uh, i mean all our facial expressions and movements are actually noisy but it's also how this eg is built nobody wants to 
where these caps horrible <laughs> so the the issue is probably uh, to build something which looks like a gadget looks good like you know the headphones earphones head, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and then um, having you know uh, on that part of your head caught uh, electrical uh, the waves the of your brain waves the issue is however that i do not know whether we will have enough from just the central part of the head whether this should actually go on the ah, back of the and okay. so on and so forth so but if this would be possible what would happen is that we will be able to transfer these ideas in a raw format of the brain waves to somebody else and i think this Literally is brilliant reading minds this is brilliant isn't it because you don't have to put it into this very very narrow tube which is speech yeah which limits you horrifically mm. in the way you can express your ideas and your thoughts mm. right so literally everyone becomes a mind reader i think this is uh, you know i believe this is great but it has a lot of issues and one of the issues is that there will be no lies <laughs> lies will not be possible we will live in a post lies world there will be no more lies not <laughs> I, possible i i know that that's a rallying call <laughs> for homework to lots of people imagine a world with no lies wouldn't that be amazing after post truth we have post lies there you go <laughs> <laughs> i think there is not a better place in this conversation for us to end than with that that's homework that's homework for our listeners go out be that person maya's got it right several times before i'm sure you're right on this one please come into technology come and be an engineer come and help us create a post lies world Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.